0: God said to uh, Dr. Norval Hayes in heaven, how long are you going to stumble around in darkness? Yeah. That's, right. that's not just about, that was about what? He didn't have revelation on how to deal with that, those growths. Yeah. So what was that? A lack of revelation yeah, right. causes you to stumble around in darkness. He said, you're of heaven. You're not supposed to stumble around in darkness. That means you're a spiritual man. Heavenly man means spiritual man. You're supposed to have revelation. So anything that's happening, let me help you please if you listen. Anything that's happening in your life that's, that's failing, you're stumbling around in darkness in that area. You might be a child of the light in general, but in that area you're stumbling around in darkness any area that's not functioning the way it's supposed to function, you're stumbling around in darkness. And because you're a heavenly being, because you're a spiritual being that is from heaven, and that heaven lives in you and the Holy Ghost is in you, you're not supposed to stumble around in darkness. You're supposed to have the light of life. You're supposed to know by revelation what is going on in that situation so that you can resolve it and fix it and get it working right. So when he didn't have revelation, what did God say? You're stumbling around in darkness. Why? You don't have revelation on that area. He had revelation on finances. He was rich. But about healing, he didn't have revelation on So, do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you have revelation in one area, but you don't have revelation in another area, and you're doing great in that area. Praise God for that. But if you don't fix this area, you're going to stumble around in darkness, and and, and depending on what the area is and and the ramifications of what stumbling around in darkness may or may not mean for that particular thing, you could be in serious trouble. Or it may not be that big of a deal. You just miss out on something. On other areas, it could be life-threatening. The point is, stumbling around in darkness means no revelation in an area. Do you understand? So what you should do if you're humble, you should say, Father, uh, this area of my life is not working out right. And you can tell if things aren't working out right. Are you with me? You can tell if your prayers are being answered or not. You can tell if your faith is working or not. And if you're humble, you'll say, Father, I'm stumbling around in darkness in this area because I'm not getting answers. I'm not getting victory. I'm not getting relief. I'm not getting whatever it is. Do you understand? It's just not working for me. Stop being so arrogant and make everybody think that you're great and just admit I'm not getting, this is not working right for me. And I don't understand why. I'm obviously stumbling around. It's not on your side. Do you understand? You've got to acknowledge that. The first thing you got to say is, Father, it's not on your side. It's on my side. I'm the one stumbling around, not you. There is no darkness where you live. There's only darkness where I live. So you know what's going on here, and I need your revelation like Norville needed revelation. Now, I don't want to stumble around in darkness, and I need that revelation. If I can get that revelation, then I'll know what to fix. I'll know, I'll know how to do it. See, he needed God to teach him about how to, how to curse those growths and then how to keep praising. He didn't know how to do that. That's called revelation knowledge. Without it, he was stumbling in darkness. With it, he had the light of life. He wasn't in darkness anymore, and he had the power of God. The life of God was working. Bible says that in him was life and the life was the light of men. And he says, we are to have the light of life. That means revelation and power. You can't have power if you don't have revelation. He didn't have revelation, so he didn't have power. But when he got the revelation, it produced power to curse, to kill those growths. I don't have to preach the whole story again. I think you know it. So I've just been talking to the Lord about some things in the church that I'm not, that I'm not too happy about, the things just in general that I'm, I'm just not sure about, that I'm checking. I'm just, you know, that's my job. I'm a watchman on the wall. Do you understand? My job just isn't just to say everything's peachy. If it isn't, you know, I have to look, I have to assess, I have to pray. As the pastor, that's my job. Yes, sir. It's Amen. not just dealing with counseling sessions. There's a much bigger picture at work here. Amen. Not just individual people are important, but the health of the whole is also important. Yes, yes. So I've been talking to God about that. Amen. And I've been saying, Lord, I don't want to stumble around in darkness. No. And I've been trying certain things, but they're not working, and I don't want to stumble around in darkness. I could go to a conference, but they, what they say might work for them, but I wanna know, does it work? Is it general or is it specific for their vision? I, you know, things in general can help you, but specific things for certain churches are only for that church. you are got to know specifically for your church what is going to work for your church. There's general rules. But, but that, that's why I love Pastor Nancy's conference, because she doesn't get too specific in terms of their church verse, because that, she knows it's not going to work for every other church. She deals with more general things that will help everybody. But I've been talking to God and said, Lord, I need you to help me. I need revelation. I need revelation light so I can have the power of God change certain things in the ministry and in different areas of this church. And so praise God, he started to talk to me this afternoon. My God, he started to talk to me. And part of it was through Dad Hagen, and part of it was directly to my spirit, because sometimes Dad Hagen don't always explain everything. So he said, watch that. So I was watching something, and he started answering some questions. So I'm like just on the edge of my seat. Here's my answer. Here's my answer. And then the thing ended. And he didn't finish. How dare he? start something and not finish it not give me all the answers i need he's dead i can't i can't ask him he's not here anymore i saw is there a part two there's no part two that's it it's done so i said well lord that i didn't get all the answers Uh, what's going on here i got i only got a bit of the answers and the holy ghost said well i'm still here he's he's gone but i'm still here and i'm the one that gave him the answers that just got to you so I start talking to the Holy Ghost about what he said to give me more clarity and to give me further because not everything was explained. And he started talking to me, Jennifer, he started talking to me and explaining stuff that Dad Hagen didn't even explain, that he didn't explain that I was confused about because he didn't, he one sermon can't explain sometimes the depth of everything. Do you understand? And if you don't do a series on it, and, or you did, but he, there's, no, there's no access to the other parts of the series, you're kind of left high and dry a little bit. You know what to do, but you don't know how it operates. But the Holy Ghost is with us, <laughs> like He was with Him, and so I, I'm excited. I feel like there's some revelation light that is coming about what we need to do in the new year, and that is going to bring that light. Is going to bring the life. It's going to bring the power of God to help us as a church, and I'm going to need all of you with me on it. No, no bystanders and no and no and no spectators. Only participators. Hallelujah praise God. So, but, but tonight I could just go on all night and just skirt around it, but never tell you exactly what we're talking about. And that, that, that is what I would like to do because I'm mischievous, but, but, but I know he did say, I said, well, what do you want for tonight? If you don't want that, what do you want for tonight? And he said, I want you to reaffirm their faith. That's how he phrased it to me. I want you to reaffirm their faith. And I said, but Lord, they're faith people. He goes, not everybody is. What do you mean? This Promise Life Church. We're a faith church. Everybody's a faith person. He said to me real clear, not everybody is. Not everybody sitting in your congregation even understands faith. Not everybody sitting in your congregation that does understands faith is actually doing it. And he said it's a subject that you have to. When I prompt you, which will be often, you have to keep coming at it from different angles. From different angles because this message is so important and we often bring up aspects of it in other messages but it's important regularly as he prompts he's got to lead it because I don't want to just get into a rut on it and we're not only faith people there's a lot of other things we need to focus on but when he prompts he, there needs to be time set aside just to talk about that one subject not just bring it up as an example to a sub point on your fourth part of your sermon do you understand that's all we're always we're always aspecting it, so to speak, but it's important that it is focused on at times. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you need to reaffirm their faith. That's how he said it, reaffirm their faith. Meaning, uh, they were affirmed once, but for whatever reason, it's, it's not, they're, 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 they're discouraged or something's not working or whatever, and they need to be reminded. That's what to reaffirm means, is to be reminded and to help get you back on the faith horse. We're going to ride that horse until it, well, you know, the horse doesn't die. So we can't say we're going to ride that horse till it collapses because the faith horse just never does collapse. And so I just want to remind you that you're not like everybody else and you're not like what every other church teaches. And you're not like what just your, 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 your friends at work or your friends in your neighborhood or whatever. That a, lot, a lot of them, I mean, unless they got this revelation too, uh, they're going to handle situations very differently to you. If, you're, if, if the way they're handling it, if you look like them, you, then when you know better and when you've heard more. That's right, that's right. Do you understand? You are obligated under the God, God Almighty that you respond to the situation you face based on what you know. Not based on what your mama knew. Because some of your mamas don't know much when it comes to this subject. They know how to give you good common sense. They know how to give you how to bake an apple pie and how to teach you to obey certain, I mean, mamas are good, depending on what kind of mama you had. My mama's good in many things. But my mama never never taught me faith. You know why? Because my mama never knew faith. You know why? Because my mama never went to a church that taught faith. Are you listening to me? You don't learn everything from your mama. You learn stuff from God in the local church through an office that is more important than the mama yeah. because there's revelation that will come that mama never had, right. that granddaddy never had. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So don't be so latched on to your, your line, your heritage line that, that you're going to hold on to what they say, now come hell or high water, so to speak, because a lot of it is, is not going to lead you into victory. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to insult anybody's family. I'm just saying that some people, their mentality about life is, well, well, the way I was trained, the way I was brought up, the way my culture sees this is the way I choose to see this. No, no, no. The way my culture saw black people, I'm not going to live the way my culture saw black people. Do you understand? I live in bondage. Because my culture believed in apartheid. So don't matter what my culture, don't matter what my grandma or grandpa said, if it doesn't line up with God's word as has been revealed to me by the Holy Ghost, I love them, I respect them, and I'm not going to try to fight with them, but I will respectfully agree to disagree with you, and I'm not implementing what you teach me just because you're a bloodline. I don't know why I'm saying that, but somebody needs to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. Tonight, we're watching. Somebody needs to hear that. Do you understand? There's some family members that will try to keep you in bondage. I don't think you should go to church because of COVID. Who do you think you are? And if they're over you and they, have the, they hold the purse strings, then move out and let God, God give you a miracle for somebody that's not going to hold the purse strings and manipulate you. See, that's part of the submission to culture and family and their opinions on everything. Amen. Are you listening to me? That's right. yes. Yes, sir. Amen. The single mother that has an unsaved husband or vice versa, yes. that says, I don't really want the kids to go to church. Watch, how should the mother respond? Right. Come up closer and say that to me, fool. That's, it. that's how you should respond, ladies. That's right. You don't get to dictate to me, you half-backslidden you don't get to dictate to me how I raise these children. I'm the one that's a spiritual one, not you. So you just shut your mouth and go about watching your ball games and let me do what I need to do with my kids and my church. We've got too many weak, weak-willed and spineless women that just they just they just capitulate to every demand that the macho husband dictates to them, who's of a, who have a different thought process. Are you listening to me? Again, I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. Because I hear the Holy Ghost prompting these, these little statements on the inside of me. You don't have to fight with them. 1 Corinthians 7 clearly says that if your unsaved partner wants to be at peace with you, that you stay with them and pray that they would turn. But peace with you in the Greek doesn't just mean they don't abuse you peace with you means that they make in no way, shape, or form any hindrance to your spiritual growth or that of your children. That's what it means. So if they're trying to stop you raising your kids in the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and the local church, then you technically have a right to walk out. Not that I want you to or that you should, but I'm saying you're not obligated under God's system to listen to an unsaved person that his father is the devil who has got a wrong thought and many times got devils. Not every time, but many. Do you understand? Because they've got no protection against devils. Because they're of the wrong kingdom. They have no right to dictate to your spirituality or that of your children. And if they row with you and they argue with you and they're making, the Bible says clearly that you have a right to depart and to raise your kids and raise yourselves properly spiritually. Only if they are completely at peace and, and supportive. That word peace means supportive. Go, honey, go take the kids. I don't want to go. I'm not going, but you go. I'm encouraging. You. Go, go, do whatever you want. You want to tithe? Don't tithe on my money. But you want to tithe on your paycheck? Go, go, do whatever you want. Then the Bible says, now you, now you honor that husband yes. or you honor that wife if you're the reverse, the reverse and, and, you, and you walk in peace and patience with them and you pray it out until they turn. Yeah. Amen. And if they don't turn, well, then that's, 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 your, that's, yes. that's, that's tough. Yes. That's your lot. You married them. So, you, you know, that's it. But, but, but you, you, you got to stay with them if they're, if they're right. They don't have to be spiritual to be right. They just have to not be a hindrance to you. They're trying to be hindrance to you of a right to leave them. I don't know why I'm saying that, Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to hear that. Maybe somebody watching needs to hear that. You got to trust me. It's not just the people in this room. There's people that watch from all over the place. And sometimes the Holy Ghost knows what somebody's going through and he's trying to give them an answer. Are you with me? But he said, reaffirm their faith tonight. Reaffirm their faith and remind them. That reaffirm means to remind. It means re. It means we're we're doing it again. I never never tire of it. I never tire of it. Because it's such a precious message to me. It's changed my life. So read with me very quickly, please. Because time, we don't want to just go around the bush the whole night. Amen. So read with me quickly, please, if you would, in the book of Exodus chapter 14. Let's just start with verse one and make it play it safe. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak unto the children of Israel that they may turn and encamp before whatever between Migral and the sea, and I go. Belpharazon, but whatever before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord." And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. The whole army comes out. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. It's like poker. We, know, we don't believe in poker. <laughs> well, Brother Greg said that maybe it's okay. But, but no, it's not okay, Brother Greg. The high hand, that's the winning hand. Right. Do you understand? Right. To, to say somebody, it's an old English expression, to say somebody went out with the high hand, yeah. it actually comes from poker. That's an old English expression. Uh, to say that, that you go out with victory. The people are going out living high on the hog. They're going out. They're going out rejoicing. They're not going out dragging their stuff. They're going out with a procession of triumph. That's what it means. And why? Because they're healed, not one feeble among them. They got all the gold and silver of the Egyptians, so they got paid 400 years worth of back pay. Praise God. Their little ones are with them. Moses is at the front. God is ahead of Moses, ahead and behind. The cloud by day and fire by night. I mean, they're going out victorious. That's what it means. But the Egyptians pursued after them verse nine all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside whatever that place is before Belphezon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, And they said unto Moses, I, I, "I'm not judging nobody. Who am I? I wasn't there, okay? But, but all I'm trying to think a little bit about this, just logically, you just saw 10 plagues. You just saw the host of the Egyptians and the firstborn of every family smitten. You just saw the lice and the flies and the blood and the locusts and the boils and all the other, you just saw it. God just had a miracle and healed all of you, blessed all of you. Why are you freaking out? Because you see them there. Yeah. Yeah. The same one that did the 10 plagues, he's got an 11th in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm not sorry. I just don't really understand that. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just saying, if you've already seen God, yeah. but isn't that maybe a lesson for us? Yeah. These people saw God and they still doubted. When you see God doing things for you, why are you doubting But the next test and trial that you face? Yeah. You just saw what he did last year. You saw what he did two years ago. You saw what he did when you were sick. You saw what he did when you didn't have a job. You saw what he did when you felt alone. And now you're facing another thing. You've got to remind yourself of what he did. You've got to remind yourself of what he did. I haven't finished those David things yet. But one of of them is that he rehearsed. He rehearsed. Listen, if God could do it with me with the lion and if God could do it with me with the bear, so shall this uncircumcised. He talked about what God did. He remembered what God did and it held him steady in the test and trial that was right in front of him. Why didn't these people start saying, don't you remember the Lord did this? Don't you remember the Lord did that? And by the way, that was only a couple weeks ago. I bet you Caleb was saying it. It doesn't say it, but I bet you he was, because he had the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith talks about what God's already done, and then looks at what the problem is and starts to charge. That's, right. That's what the spirit of faith, though. So I know Caleb was, even though obviously the people aren't really doing it themselves, because they're crying and they're sore afraid. And when they said unto Moses, and they said unto Moses, because they were, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou brought us away to die in the wilderness? What an insult! Wherefore thou hast dealt with us? thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt. They're accusing the minister, the preacher, the prophet, the man of God, their leader, and say, Was, wasn't there enough places for us to die there that you brought us out here to die? Then, talk about no faith. They're not even saying, could God deliver us? They're just talking about death. We could have died there. Why did you bring us to die here? They're not even talking about the possibility of deliverance. All their thought processes is failure, loss, and death. And now they're thinking where they want to be buried. Well, I had a nice pot picked out where the palm tree was, but now I have to come here. You see, that's wrong thinking. That's totally wrong thinking. And people that think wrong go against people with the spirit of faith. They go against leadership because the leadership is saying, stop your nonsense talk and your nonsense thoughts and let's move. But people that are stubborn and they were stubborn stiff necked people, the Bible says. Let's not be like them. We're not going to get into Jerusalem if we're like them. They never got into their promised land, and neither will we, but we're not going to be like them. We're going to be like the ones that had the spirit of faith that said, let's go. Okay, verse 12, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, leave us alone? My God, so they were telling him in Egypt while the plagues were going on, Let, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. See, they're not thinking right. If you already decided that you're going to fail, well, okay, you're just going to get mad at faith. You're going to get mad at my preaching because you've already decided it doesn't work for you. Don't be the kind of person that does that. Be the kind of person that decides it's going to work for me. God's going to bring me through. I don't care what I face. I don't care what I'm facing. He's going to bring me through because I've got him. Hallelujah. And Moses said unto the people, I would have said shut up up he's so sweet fear ye not stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today you shall see them again no more forever the Lord shall fight for you and he shall hold your and you will hold your peace so he did tell him to shut up hold your peace means stop talking the Lord will fight for you and you will be quiet (laughs) All right. Now, I understand where Moses is coming from. Guys, listen, God's going to do it. You you just just relax. Chill. Hold your words. Don't speak against this anymore. Remember, because they're talking against it. God doesn't like that. So he says, hold your peace. Stop talking negative. That's what I say to you. Stop talking negative. I don't care what you're facing. Your words are not going to help the situation by speaking negative. Hold your peace. Now, he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the God. God's going to fight for you. Now, do you remember Nehemiah chapter 4? He, uh, he said, take up your swords and fight for your families and your little ones and your wives and your children. Remember, he said, you fight. Mm-hmm. Then later on, a few verses later, he says, when he blew the trumpet, he says, and God, when I call on the, wherever you are, gather unto me. Come unto me. In other words, stay in unity. Stay submissive. Stay submitted to that leadership. And God will fight for us. But you notice the first thing he said is you fight. Then he says God will fight. It sounds like opposites. They're not because when he says you fight there's symbolism there, you've got to do your part. You've got to take up that sword and you've got to be ready to swing it. You've got to do your part in the natural. You've got to do your part in the natural, whatever that is for you. And that includes speaking faith. That includes trusting God. That includes saying some things. Are you listening? If you'll do your part, then God will fight for us. There was really two conditions. You've got to do your part and you've got to stay close. Amen. Stay in submission. Stay where you're planted. When I call, come. There was a condition. They couldn't stay on the other side of the wall and be safe. They had to come and be safe in proximity. Are you listening to me? Are you there? Are you listening to me? When we say come to church, there's a spiritual law behind it. It's not just you showing up because I need somebody to talk to. There's a spiritual law. Are you listening on live stream? There's a spiritual law that you need to physically come and be a part of what God's doing and show effort and show agreement and show participation and show humility because it takes humility to come and show cooperation. Good. There's got to be that you do your part you stay close and the god will fight for you In other words god's power yes. is going to come and do what your part can't do yes. Now I like nehemiah because nehemiah shows us both sides nehemiah didn't just say god's going to do everything yeah. Nehemiah said you got to do something You're going to do two things. you got to pick up that sword which the sword of the spirit is the word of god You need to speak That's symbolically you need to say some things and you need to stay in unity and stay where god put you and don't get isolated. The wolves take out the lone sheep. Don't get isolated. Stay where you're at. And then what? God's, gonna, God's power is going to show up for you and fight your battles for you. In other words, it's things that you have to do, but there's also things that God has to do. And you can't do what God has to do. He's going to do that. But you can do what you're going to do, and he, 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 he can't really do what you're supposed to do. I mean, he could, but he can't because it would violate his word. Right. Do you understand? The two, there's two sides to the same coin. There's a head and a tail. You got to have both in order for this thing to work. So what Moses is saying, I understand where he's coming from. He's with these people that are really ornery, stiff necked totally negative, no faith, complaining, talking about death, talking. I mean, they're just the worst of the worst. So what he's trying to say is now, listen, hold your peace. Stop saying this. God is with us. God's going to fight for you. Sound like Nehemiah? God's going to fight for you. See, God has, God has something to do. Can they make the wind blow? No. Could they make the east wind come all night and, and move back that water and dry that soil, that, that stuff underneath the mud, the, basically the sea floor? Yes. Can they do that? No. Only the working of miracles by the power of God can cause the sea to part and to go over. Sure. And they don't even know this at this point. They don't even know how God's going to do it. God could have sent an angel. That death angel could have come, and instead of picking off the firstborn, he could have just killed all the charioteers. They don't know what God's going to do, but they do realize there's a part that we can't do. God is going to have to intervene here for this to work. And he's saying to them, God will fight for us. That means God's power is going to engage in what we can't. You listening? That's good preaching, Moses. And he's saying, now watch what you say. Hold your peace. That's good preaching. Because they're not saying anything to allow God to move. In fact, the way they're talking, they're going to die. Because God won't move without right words. And he's saying, please stop talking. Okay, but the other thing he says now, I understand where he's coming from. He's like, just relax. Stand still. Don't say anything. God's going to fight for us. Don't keep talking negative. Hold your peace. God is going to show up and he's going to win this battle for us. You just stand still. Just hold on. And watch what God does. I understand, I understand what He's saying. But it sounds right and it is right to a measure. Because He's dealing with very difficult people, and there's millions of them. They don't have cell phones, they don't have speaker systems. Do you understand what that would have felt like? You know how many people? Three plus three to five, they say, theologians, three to five million? Do you know how many people that is? Three million people? Let's just go on the low end, three million. The sky dome is 50,000. Have you ever seen the sky dome packed to capacity? That's 50,000. 20 of those equals 1 million. Wow. Are you with me? So it is 60 sky domes full at the bare minimum. Wow. And they're all spread out. He can't be, you know, there's no speakers. How does he communicate to all these people? He tells the chiefs of the tribe, the tribe go and start making announcements to the same. And everybody, it's a structure. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be and they're who they're supposed to be around. No, I'm serious. People weren't just wandering everywhere. You were in groups of fifties and groups of hundreds. And this hundred is this leader. Chantel's your leader. If you, if you can't see her, I'm going to whip you. That's what it was like. You, she don't need to see you. You need to see her. You don't go anywhere on this trek without seeing her. Stand up, please, on the seat, quickly. Stand up on the seat. I want everybody to see your leader. Now, if you can't see the green dress, if you can't see it, she don't need to see you, you need to see her. Because she can't see 100 people all at once. But 100 people can see one person all at once. That's how it was. Did I ask you to sit? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. That's how it was. and That's how it was. They all knew who their leader was. Think about the thousands of leaders to take care of 3 million people. And they're all within eyeshot of not Moses. They can't even see where Moses is. They're within their eyeshot of their leader. Then their leader stands up and says, Group G or whatever it is. Group 12 or group 98, whoever, whatever. Come here. And they all come. Now, this is what they this is what they've told me. That's how they did it. That's, that's the only way you can get the same information to 3 million people without modern technology. It had to be and it took time that would have taken a couple hours to get that one sentence out to the whole people God says to our leader. Don't speak wrong Hold your peace He's going to do a fight for us. He's going to win this but just stand there and be still and wait God's going to do this Now God likes that because there was good preaching, but there was something in that that that, that he didn't like And so have a look please with verse 16 verse 15 the Lord shall fight for you, and now you shall hold your peace now. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses. So Moses just preached. Now God's going to talk to him about his preaching. Like God seems to do. Wherefore, criest thou unto me? Why are you crying to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> Why are you, notice there was no, God didn't take no responsibility. You need to learn how God works. You need to renew your thinking, not how your mama taught you, but what God's word taught you, teaches you. God took no responsibility. You're in trouble. You, the logic says, what do you mean, why am I crying unto you? God, they're right there. They're going to kill us. What do you mean, why aren't I crying to you? I have to cry to you. You're the only one that can fix this. That's why I'm crying to you. Don't you think God's smart enough to know that that's the logical answer? And he still asked the question. And yet he knew that's the logical answer. So obviously, even though, listen to me, even though it wasn't logical, the lo- it was logical to answer that way. God didn't count logic with very high value because he was trying to get them to see what was not logical. Are you listening? Why are you doing this? Well, what do you mean why, God? Obviously, I'm doing this because of X, Y, Z. I'm not stupid, Moses. I know X, Y, and Z, and I know the logical response is that you'd cry to me. The fact that I'm asking you when I know it's logical would would tell you something. That I'm telling you that your logic does not impress me. Your logic is not the answer. The logic of, of course, I have to cry to you is not the answer I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. What is the answer God was looking for? He's trying to teach us something about our side of the fight. Yeah. We know God's side. That's easy. He does it. Yeah. But what about take up your swords and fight for your little ones? Yeah. And then now God will, there's a side of your doing. and There's a side of God's doing. And all Moses was preaching was God's side. Did you see that? God's going to do it. God's going to heal you. God's going to do it for you. God's going to help you. Moses was preaching God's side. And God got a bit annoyed at that because one-sided preaching is not balanced. One-sided preaching, God, 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 God. It's not right. Because it's not how it works. It's not the little thing. You pull out the thing from the chest. God, 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 God. Ever see one of those chatty Cathy? It's not that, otherwise God would not have responded this way. Nehemiah had a balance. Uh, God never rebuked him. Moses had an imbalance. God rebuked him. Why? You only talk about God's side. You don't talk about your side. You're going to end up failing and then blaming God. I'm telling you the truth about it. Whether you you believe it or not, there's a truth about it. Now, he said reaffirm their faith. So I spent an hour saying, how do I do that? i got a hundred scriptures I can read you to reaffirm your faith, but I don't want to just read you a hundred scriptures. I want to read you the right scripture. That in God's mind is the right scripture for tonight. And the only scripture he spoke to me was, wherefore thou criest unto me? That's all he said. That's all he has to say. I know the story and I know where he's going. So I'm telling you what God said for me to preach tonight. I got a lot of other things. I got something else that I really want to talk about, but I have to wait for the new year. But I'm still under the mandate, and I'm still exactly doing the perfect will of God because he said reaffirm their faith. And I said, which, which? There's a whole lot of ways I could skin that cat. He said, this is the one. Wherefore thou criest unto me. So I'm teaching what he said to reaffirm your faith. Nehemiah balanced it. Moses did not. God knew it was logical, but God is trying to teach you. Your logic doesn't impress me. That is not the answer to the, way, what, the question I asked you. It, it, in your brain, it's the answer, but you need to look to your spirit to get an answer. Yes. So he's teaching Moses. Why, wherefore thou criest unto me? In other words, why are you crying? Obviously, <laughs> we know what Moses is thinking when he says that, but he's got to humble himself and say, okay, well, my answer is obviously not the right one, or you wouldn't have asked me that. Because you know why I'm crying, but that's obviously not good enough for you. Well, listen to me. So the death that awaits me with the, with the Pharaoh, right there is not a good enough answer as to why I'm, that's not the right answer yeah. what, what is the right answer i don't understand lord this is a hard question you're asking me why i'm ask why i'm calling unto you i'm calling unto you because we're about to die but you're telling me that that's obviously not the right answer to say we're about to die is not the right answer yeah. Yeah. because if you you know that, I, that that's what i'm going to say and you're still saying it in a way that shows me my answer is wrong before i even give it to you i know my answer is wrong so what's the right answer when I'm facing trouble? Facing, now you're just facing a little bit of financial pressures, a little bit of sickness, or maybe you're facing something to kill you. I don't know. But they're facing certain death. They're facing the rape of their, of their daughters. They're facing the murder of their little children. Well, if somebody comes and wants to bash Luke's head in, I go into a whole different mode. Don't you understand? This is not just, I have a headache. This is life and death. For my little ones that I am sworn to protect. So when you're heightened under great stress, you can understand why they would say, what do you mean it's the wrong question? Why why are you crying unto me? Because of them. But that's obviously not the right answer because otherwise God wouldn't have asked that question. So under the worst stress you can imagine, their answer of I'm calling on you because they're going to kill me. God didn't want to hear that. And listen, when you're facing cancer, and when you're facing whether little or huge, that's the wrong answer. The, listen to me. Let me let me make it the The wrong answer is for you to tell God the problem. Yeah. Are you listening to me? The wrong answer is to talk to God about the problem. God already knows your problem. The wrong answer. It's logical, but the wrong answer. Logic is not the right answer. Logic is not the right answer. What your brain tells you is not the right answer. To talk about the problem is not the right answer. To talk about what's about to kill you is not the right answer. God is trying to teach us something here to reaffirm our faith. What is the right answer? It's not talking about the problem. Otherwise he wouldn't have said, why are you crying to me? why is obviously moses crying god save us they're gonna kill us that's what he's crying why are you why are you doing that well obviously that's the wrong answer talking about them is the wrong answer talking about the problem is the wrong answer talking about the cancer it's the wrong answer talking about i lost my job that's the wrong answer god already knows he's not stupid he already knows what you're going through he don't need you to tell him all the problems you're facing Are you listening? I'm not saying you can't. Now there's a prayer of supplication where you pour your heart out to God. Philippians 4. I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for you to pour everything out, all your emotions, all your whining. You better get a Kleenex box because you're going to be blubbering. There is a time to do that. But you understand that time of the prayer of supplication is not faith. So I'm not saying that you can't from the New Testament, you can. But what God is trying to say here is the time of supplication is over. The time of whining and crying, (laughs) it's over. I don't want to hear about Pharaoh. I don't want to hear about the problems. Stop doing that, Moses. You talk to them about me fighting for them, but by the way you're whining, I can't fight for them. I want to fight for them, but you've got to do your side. You're not doing your side. You're just complaining. Are you listening? It worked. God is the same. It works for Moses. works for Nehemiah. It works for Dad Hagen. It works for Dr. Freight, It works for us. Yes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. His laws and principles are the same. What he's saying is, Nehemiah, you told them both. That's what I like. Moses, you told them half. I don't like that. You're just telling them what I'm going to do. You didn't tell them what they're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Do you understand? So... Why are you crying to me? Verse fifteen. Speak unto the children of Israel and tell them to go forward. Amen. What did Moses say? Stand still. That's right. Yeah. Now we even have songs about it. stand still and see the salvation. Whatever I can't remember how it goes. There's poems written about it. Stand still. Do you understand? The footprints poem. Is based upon standstill. I'm so weak. Oh, I'm so weak. And I saw one set of footprints. And I said, Oh Lord, why did you leave me? And God answered, Oh son, it was then that I carried you. Because you're so weak and you're so down and you're so worn out. I had to pick you up and carry you on my back it sounds very religious but it's full of donkey kong junk dad hagen would say it's full of bunk junk and hogwash because it's not the plan of god for you ever to be so frail and so weak that you can't even walk that is not the way god talks I got the footprints poem and I changed the words. It says anonymous on the author so I just, I can do what I want, it's anonymous. And I rewrote it, I crossed the line out and I said, where there's one set of footprints, I was walking in the spirit of faith, carrying whoever the wimp was that I was walking with. I don't need Jesus to carry me. The spirit of faith in me, I'll walk alone. I know that makes religious people that have cat posters very upset. But your cat posters aren't going to get you healed. What I'm preaching about will get you healed. Jesus doesn't want this wimpy, wamby, pamby attitude of, what are we going to do? And Moses just said, be quiet. Just don't do it. Just say, God's going to do everything. God's going to do everything. And he said, what are you talking about? Tell them to move forward. In other words, the answer isn't talking and whining about the problem. The answer is moving forward in faith. They're going into the water. They're going to drown. And God is still saying, I know what it looks like. But what I'd rather you do. Listen, let me, let me play it out for you. There, and this is Moses. Stop talking. Stand still. God's going to do it. And then God says to Moses, That's not the right response I'm looking for. Because Moses said, Oh God, what are we going to do? Oh God, they're going to kill us. Why are you crying? Why are you telling me the problem? That's not what I want. Tell them to move forward. What he should have done is this stop talking. That would have been a good advice. God's going to get us through this. So, what are you going to do? Do you hear that? God's going to fight for us. How are you going to fight? Nehemiah did both Moses did one what is your side what is your job let's not just talk about God God's big enough he knows his job what about your job you don't know your job God knows his we don't have to focus on him we focus on you because without you doing your job he can't do his job so what's your job your job is, we are. there's no way here, there's no way there, there's no way there, so we can only go forward. But there's water, we're going to drown. What we're going to do is we're going to start moving toward the water, even though in our brain we know we're going to drown, but it's going to show corresponding action. It's going to show God that we really believe him to do a miracle for us. So your job is to walk. My job is to walk. Now God's job is to part the sea. Yes. Yes. See, now if Moses had done that, God wouldn't have rebuked him. He would have said, good boy. When you get to the water's edge, don't go out into the water yet. Just stand there. You've done your part. You've done your part. Now I can do my part. Now I'm going to do it all night. But don't worry, I'm going to put fire there. Now I'm going to be able to get... They're going to burn their eyebrows they to get too close. Just, just trust me. In fact, the Bible says that God's eye was in the fire. In fact, that born-again believer who wasn't very spiritual, but good writer, what's his name? The Hobbit guy. Tolkien. He was born again. He's in heaven. And he wrote that to show good and evil, blah, blah, blah. But where he got the idea of the, of the eye and the fire was from the scripture but he's using it as the path, the bad part, not the good part, but because that, that's the way he did it in his stories, right? He wasn't the most spiritual man, but he was trying to show symbolism and good and evil. I'm not telling you to watch that stuff. I'm just saying that his heart was right. Although he didn't always do the best job in expressing it in a way because his witchcraft and all that stuff. But anyway, the point is, is that the Bible says that the, the, eye, the fire, the eye of God looked through the flame and watched them. Can you imagine? You see this fire. You can't get near it. And there's an eye looking at you in the fire. Pharaoh, um, I'm taking my vacation time. I'd like to take my vacation. Can I have my vacation time, please? I I don't think it's a good idea for us to proceed. There's an eye looking at us in the fire. I just, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't look good. It just doesn't seem like it's good. And by the way, my firstborn's dead and our land is ravaged. And the same God that did that is looking at me through fire. I just think we should reconsider our options. But what did God do? Harden their hearts so that they would not be logical. What does hardening a heart means? It makes you stubborn, stubborn bullheaded, yeah. Yeah. makes you arrogant, full of pride. Oh, we will do it. See, God wanted revenge on them. So he caused them to think wrong so that he could have his revenge on them. Remember, this is Old Testament. He doesn't do that today. But this is Old Testament. And so uh, tell them to move forward. But thou, verse 16, lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. You divide it. And the children of Israel go over and drag ground through the midst of the sea. <laughs> you lift up your rod. You stretch out your hand. And you divide it. You do it. Now, obviously, it's not Moses' power. But look at God's cooperative process. You, what does a rod speak? Authority. Are you listening to me? If you look at the pictures, don't always have it right, but he had the rod and he had his hand. He looked like that. He had both. Why did he need to have both? Because it's symbolism. The rod is his authority, but his hand represents his part, his words, his agreement with the authority. You've got the name of Jesus, but if you don't speak it, what you're saying is I've got the authority now I say in Jesus name. Do you understand? Yes. You tell them to act like they believe me and walk. And when and then stop at the edge of the water and you stretch out both and you speak you divide it. You divide it. Are you listening? What is God saying to us? Don't talk to me about your problems. Do an action that shows you trust me. Walk forward. Amen. Now take that name and your, you've got to say it. That's your hand. But it's that authority and power from God that he's given you as a gift. Amen. Now take that authority and you say it. So hold it over your cancer. Hold it over your financial trouble. Hold it over whatever. Act. Listen to me, brothers. Act like you believe it. Do something to show God you believe him. And then get your faith out, your dominion, your authority, and get your agreement, and you speak. You divide. You say, I command you in Jesus' name, and whatever it is that you desire. You've done an action. You've released your faith with the authority of God. You've used your key, Matthew 16. You have access now into God's way of doing it, the kingdom. Whatever you bind, I... Remember? Whatever you bind is bound in heaven. What is he saying? Whatever you fight, I fight. Whatever you lose, whatever your part is, notice he didn't say, I'll do it, then you do it. The order is, you bind, it will be bound in heaven. You loose, it'll be loose in heaven. In other words, you fight, I'll fight. You say your part, I'll do my part. You walk forward, I'll do the miracle. You hold it out, you stretch your hand with authority and say in Jesus' name, and I'll back you you got to have me back you because you don't have the physical power yeah. to do that miracle. I've got the power, but I can't do it if you don't do your part. Yeah. Stop whining. Stop telling me your problems. Yes. I know your problems. I love you. I'm trying to get you out of hell. I'm trying to get you out of stress. I'm trying to get you out of this problem. I'm trying to get you into victory. Don't talk to me about the problem. Yes, sir. Do something. Walk. Show me you have faith. And then put your hand with your authority and you divide it. Are you with me? brother and sister? come on. You go to a church, this is why it's a crying shame. Not because I'm good, but because the message is so good. It's crying shame this place is in packed standing room only on a Wednesday night. It shows me the coldness of our society. Because we're giving them the answer, the answer of hope my god the warts are my little son's hands and we're doing what we do in a religious way but nothing's working finally my wife the holy ghost got hold of her and she just knew she just knew by revelation i'm not i'm not saying i've got authority but i have to say And she held her rod in her hand over those warts. And she said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Now She didn't just do it like a rosary. Well, I uh, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Uh, You must go now in the name of Jesus. Uh, It's all going to be well in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. It doesn't work that way. It works because it's breathing in you. It's living in you. It's revelation. It's not a a written prayer. And she said, I curse you. Within a few days, right? Three days, four days, all of them disappeared. The doctors don't understand because the doctor said you can't get rid of those without burning them. (laughs) So a little while ago I was going and there was something, part of my, something with my eye was swollen. I don't know what was wrong with it. But I just, I just, I don't know. And so I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I'm the preacher. But I'm just like, yeah, go the same thing. So my first thought is, I wonder where there's a good eye clinic. That's my first thought. I wonder, am I going to do that? Waiting in this line, the stupid masks—they make you wear masks there. I'm thinking all these thoughts. When am I going to have time? I looked at my calendar. Which would be a good day to go? And so I picked up the phone because you can't just get there. You need a doctor's thing. So I picked up the phone for my family doctor. And as it's ringing, I heard God speak to me as loud as I'm talking to you, just as loud as I'm talking to you. And He said. How come you never talked to me about it? And as I'm trying to process what he said, the lady said, hello. (laughs) She said, oh, oh, hello, Lorraine. Her name's Lorraine. (laughs) Oh, hello, Lorraine. Um, I said, I need to talk to the doctor about da-da-da-da-da. And she said, okay, I'll have him call you because back then they weren't doing appointments. So I'll have him call you, okay. Then I hung up the phone and I said, well, maybe I just won't answer the phone. I don't know. So listen, I'm just trying to help you. God says to me, my God, it's nine after nine. I just finished this. God says to me, Why don't you talk to me? Yeah. Yeah. He never said to me, I said, Don't talk to him. I knew I should have. I knew I wanted to. I knew that was my answer. Mm-hmm. But I still, mm-hmm. it's like I got busy. As soon as I hung that phone up, the other phone rang. Oh, wow. and, the, and then there's a problem in the church, and then somebody, and then it's like my whole mind is going. Yeah. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, I'd forgotten that he had said that. Yeah. So the doctor called me back, and, and then I remembered. And then he says, well, okay, I'm going to send you to the eye specialist. I said, okay. And I thought, well, I just won't go. But anyway, he's going to do his thing. So I hang up the phone and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I need to talk to you about this. I'm sorry I didn't. And then the phone rings. Well, and then this problem, that problem. Yeah. Before you know it, the people are calling me and saying, you know, we, 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 the doctor said, come for your appointment. And so I thought, at that point, I was so sort of disgusted with myself. I thought, then there's a the condemnation of gets in. Yeah. Well, I, I, I failed God. I know this, I preach it, but I failed God. You know, then I, it wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt to go. And it wouldn't hurt to go. Sure. But God asked me, why didn't I talk to him about it? Yeah. So I went to her. She's a very nice lady. And she gave me two different kinds of antibiotics and drops and everything. And so I thought, well, it wouldn't hurt. So this is all during before Brazil, during Brazil. So I'm doing all these things on a regular basis. And it kind of relieved it a little bit. And then it kind of and I thought, okay, well, it worked. So Lord, next time I'll talk to you. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just like you. Dr. Lafrayne said, pedestals are for flowers, not people. I'm just like you. But don't be like me. Be like me, but don't be like me. Follow me as I follow Christ, but don't follow me as I follow my flesh. So uh, that relieved it a little bit. Then about three weeks after the drops ended, thing came back worse than before. First thought I thought was, that stupid eye doctor didn't know what she was talking about. That was my first thought. That's my first thought. She's just too nice. She's too bubbly. She's just sanguine. Maybe I need somebody that's really mean and ugly and, and that knows their job. I, I don't, maybe this, she's just too nice. Because normally the mean doctors seem to be better. So I thought, I'm going to call Dr. Carr back and I'm going I'm to get him to give me another, another doctor. This one didn't know what she was doing. Those drops didn't work. So I'm con- contemplating dialing the doctor for a second person. And I heard the Lord speak to me. You still haven't talked to me. I hung up that. Thank God it was not ring. I would have hung up even in the middle of the, even if he answered, I would have hung up on him. I'm not going to do it twice. I'm not that stupid. I was born tonight, but I wasn't born last night. And I, and I, and I said, I am so sorry, Jesus. I said, you see what I'm going through. This is a really annoying me and I'm flying and it's not, you're not, you know, you, you need sight when you fly. Okay. They don't want to call me patch. I don't want them calling me patch. I I I, I can't have blurriness. I got to have this right I said, Lord, this is kind of an important thing And I said now I said lord you told me to talk to you now. I already know what you're going to say But just go ahead and he said he said to me he said "Uh, You're focusing on the problem See same thing I, I wasn't whining to him, but i'm whining to myself About the problem you can whine to yourself about the problem well, you can. You're your own best friend. Me, myself, and I, the three of you, and then you sit. Me and myself, and then I do the talking. Me, I'm telling you something. Myself, I want to tell you something. I got a bad rap. This is a bad deal. This is not working. I'm so upset. You can talk. To, you got an audience. You can take an offering as well. You take out the bu- bucket on this hand, and you take the ball out of this hand, and then you go and put it in your back pocket. You, know, you can do the whole thing if you want. You're your own freak show. You're your own freak show. <laughs> To me. Jenny shakes her head, but that's just the way my mind works. I got me and myself and I. I got, a, I got a group. Anytime I need, I'm never alone. <laughs> I got myself and me, always ready to talk to me. <laughs> and so I, I, I he said, w- 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 what are you talking about the problem?" He, I wasn't talking to him. Actually, wasn't. I was talking to me. I talking to myself and me. I was talking to myself and me. And he said, you're talking about the problem. And I said, Lord, you're right. And he brought the scripture to me. And I said, you're right. I'm so, I know better than this. I'm more upset about my stupidity than I'm about the problem. Because I know better than this. Yeah. You're Talking about the problem. He didn't have to say anything else. I know what he's talking about. Yeah. You're talking about the problem. Yeah. You're rehearsing the problem. Now you're trying to defend things. Nothing wrong with natural, but not, not, but it is wrong if I know better. Yes, sir. He said, now what I want you to do, he didn't say this, but this is what the word says Act like you believe him. Stretch out your authority. And speak and so I said now in the name of Jesus and I spoke and I said I curse you I curse you from your I don't care what you are and I don't need a doctor to tell me what your special fancy name is that I can't pronounce anyway God knows what you are and I speak to you and I commend you be thou removed from me remember say this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea I commend this whatever it is to be removed from me and cast into the sea and I take by faith my healing I see it on Jesus and I take it now. It's mine. I take it in Jesus. But I say I release my faith. Yes. Within three hours, it started clearing up. It's the first night I went to sleep, and I didn't have to wake up with pain in my eye. I woke up the next morning clear, not blurry. And I felt, Lord, I wasted so much time. I wasted $47.90 on those stupid drops that didn't even work. I could have used that $47 on something else. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, but I'm just saying, nothing wrong with going to the doctor, nothing wrong with doing any of that. What I'm trying to teach you is that there is a higher flow. And if your faith's not there, go to the doctor, but have the goal, the goal, there's no condemnation to go to the doctor. I do it. But the goal is to get to the place where your, your faith is at a place where you can trust God and believe God and use your authority so that the little idiosyncrasies that are going wrong with your body make, are made right without pumping yourself with chemicals and drugs and doctor's appointments. I'm not saying don't do it if you need it, do it. But, but there's a higher flow. The great physician, see, she's a physician. Thank God for, but I've got the great physician, the great physician. It makes house calls. The great physician showed up and healed me while I slept. Are you with me? Don't talk about the problem to me, myself, I, God, or anybody else move forward Do an act of faith. Use your authority and speak that your faith, my brother and sister, it will work. And if it's not working, there's a cause. So start to seek God and say, Lord, why is it not working? I'm doing it, but it's not working. It always will work. Something's wrong. Something's hindering it. My cylinders aren't firing right. I've opened the door, maybe with unforgiveness. I need to renounce something. I'm not obeying something in my, where did I open that? Because it does work. If anybody dies, it's not because it's God's fault. Something is disconnecting on their side. It does work. But you're going to find out where your disconnect is. And God wants you so much to know. He said, even when you're messed up, James 1, even when you're at fault, even when you've messed up, come to me. I will give you wisdom. I'll answer you and show you the cause without finding fault. I won't say to you because you opened the door, I'm not talking to you. I'm not going to find any fault in you. I'm going to give you the wisdom. I'm going to give you the answer you need, including showing you where you opened the door. I claim that all the time. Lord, you said you won't find fault. Give me wisdom. I need to know where I missed it. Don't look at my faults and hold on me off. I humble myself. I come to you with all of my heart. Show me without finding fault. He always shows me. I come to him like, well, you know, I'm I'm just doing this. I'm a tither. I don't love everybody. And I'm just doing it as I can. And I don't know why it's not working. It's something to do with you. I I don't know. How you approach God. It's going to determine whether he answers you or not. Yes. <laughs> you might as just not pray. He ain't talking to you. Amen. You come humbly. Yes. Humbly. It's like watching dinner theater. Isn't it Tyrone? Sometimes I get anti, anti, whatever it is. Animated. Animated. I don't know why, but I just am. Just get over it. Just come humbly. Jesus, talk to me. I humble myself. Find no fault in me. If there is fault, don't overlook it, please. Give me wisdom. Every time, Amen. every time. Sometimes you don't talk to me in five minutes. Sometimes I have to wait three hours, but he always talks. Always. Some of you just you don't, you haven't trained your brain to wait. Yeah. Well, I, I can do social media. I can cook and <laughs> clean. What about just, yes. <sighs> yes. Yes. Amen. if I don't get an answer, I'm in trouble. So I don't care what doesn't get done. Right. I, slow down, yes. I slow down, I quieten myself Amen. and I wait. Because not every answer comes. He doesn't always show you. He's not going to find fault, he's going to show you. But the wisdom doesn't always come because you say now is the time. Sometimes it takes time. There was a whole lot of nuggets in there for you tonight. Whether you like it or not, there was a lot of nuggets. Hallelujah. God is good.